Welcome to the Project Fitness Podcast for fitness professionals and fitness enthusiasts who want to be better at life. Fitness is the greatest investment of anyone's life. However, it's not easily obtained, and anyone who says different is just plain wrong. Join award-winning personal trainer and strength conditioning coach Chris Fudge every Monday as he explores all aspects of fitness that can lead you to your optimal health. If you want to learn useful, practical how-tos of weight loss, exercise science, nutrition, or just how to optimize your time in the gym and life, this show is for you. This podcast is brought to you by the Ready State Virtual Mobility Coach. Dr. Sturette is a movement and mobility coach for players in the NFL, MLB, NHL, and NBA, plus a doctor of physical therapy. Kelly has created a program called Virtual Mobility Coach. Every day, Virtual Mobility Coach gives you guided mobility videos. It walks you step-by-step through Kelly's proven techniques to relieve pain, improve range of motion, and improve performance. Try it completely free for two weeks, and if you decide to continue, you can get 10% off for life using the promo code PROJECT10. Hurry up because the code expires October 1st. Welcome to another episode of the Project Fitness Podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with someone a little bit different than our normal guests we have on the show here. Today, I'm sitting down with a farmer, a rancher, a soil health pioneer, Gabe Brown, who is a best-selling author of The Dirt to Soil, One Family's Journey into Regenerative Agriculture. And I found Gabe on the Netflix documentary, Kiss the Ground, uh, which I'm not sure if you're aware, uh, is 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is also the same score as Life of Pi, which is a a very good movie. Um, Gabe is on here today, and he's going to educate, and he's going to talk a little bit about sustainable farming, talk about regenerative agriculture, and why it's important for us as fitness professionals and fitness people to understand soil and where our food comes from. So first off, thank you so much for coming on, Gabe. Thank you. My pleasure. So you run a ranch, you run a farm, you've been, it's been in the family business for years, but at one point in time, it wasn't going so good. And then you, you had to change. Would you mind starting off with that? Sure. So the ranch that my wife and son and I are on uh, was founded by my in-laws back in 1956, and they farmed and ranched conventionally uh, from 1956 until 1991, when my wife and I had the opportunity to purchase a part of it from them. And I learned how to farm and ranch from my in-laws. So I started farming and ranching like everybody else. We were doing tillage, planting monocultures, uh, set stock grazing on livestock. Um, it was a typical farm. And then what happened to me, I, I'm one that I always try to continue learning. And I had read about no-till and how important that was to save time and moisture. And being in a pretty brittle environment here in North Dakota, uh, I decided to go no-till. So we sold all our tillage equipment, went no-till. Things were working good. But then what happened to me, 1995, the day before I was going to start common combining or harvesting my crops, we lost 100% of our crop in a hailstorm. 1996 came along, we lost 100% again. 1997 came along and we dried out. It was very dry conditions and no crop to harvest. 1998 came along and we lost 80% to hail. So four years of, of no crop income, 
leaves you very far in debt and with a banker who doesn't want to loan you money. And during that time period, I had to figure out how can I make my farm, my ranch profitable without all these added inputs because I didn't, the banker wasn't going to loan me money. And that sent me on a journey that continues to this day, one of learning as to how ecosystems function. And what I found over time is that there's six time-tested ecological principles that, that work anywhere in the world. And they're tested by nature because we're simply following nature's principles. And if we apply those principles, we will improve our soil health, we'll improve water quality, we'll sequester more carbon. And most importantly, as it relates to your podcast, you're going to produce food that's higher in nutrient density. And so that's evolved to where today uh, I'm involved in a couple business ventures that focus on educating farmers, ranchers, policymakers, doctors, individuals such as yourself as to why it is important to practice regenerative agriculture. And it's important for a number of reasons, but first and foremost, it's important for our health, the health of our children and the health of future generations. That's amazing. You, you said that you started doing going no till. What, what is tilling? Okay. So tilling, and I'll, most uh, of your listeners would be familiar with the garden. So, you know, many people, when they go to plant a garden, they use a rototiller or a spade and they turn the soil over. Well, farmers do it with much bigger equipment than that, but it's essentially the same thing. You turn the soil over. Well, that's actually one of the worst things you could do if you're focused on having uh, growing vegetables or crops that are high in nutrients because the soil is alive. There's more microorganisms in a teaspoonful of healthy soil than there are people on this planet. Think about that. You know, so it's those microorganisms that bring the nutrients to plants that then that plant uses to grow and that plant uses to produce the vegetables and fruits and, and, you know, whatever else it may as a species of plant. But in order for us to be healthy and to have the nutrients, uh, have access to the nutrients we need, we have to have healthy plants. In order for there to be healthy plants, there has to be healthy soil. And when someone does the tilling, I mean, tilling sounds like it was a standard practice or is a standard practice worldwide. You know, why would someone who does tilling not generate good crops? Yeah, so what you're doing by tilling is you're actually destroying the home for that biology. You collapse the soil. And I use this analogy, look at when the municipality builds a road Okay, what do they do? They go out there with a disc and till that road up first. The reason is it compacts the soil. It, it compresses it to give a very solid foundation. But plant roots aren't going to be able to grow easily in it. And the, there's no home for the biology. Those billions of organisms that are in soil live in and on thin films of water between the soil aggregates. And I, I describe it as this. Think of Think of your soil as marbles in a jar, and it's those pore spaces between the marbles. That's where the biology lives. And without biology, you're not going to be able to cycle the nutrients the plants need. So why are farmers using tilling? Why do people 
Why do yep. people, it sounds like it doesn't work. Yeah, and, and it doesn't. Uh, you look back at societies, whether it was the Romans or the Incas, or go look at the rise and fall of civilization. There's a very good book out there by Dr. David Montgomery called Dirt, The Rise and Fall of Civilizations. All civilizations rise and fall based on the health of their soils. And what we're seeing worldwide, soils are severely degraded. I have the good fortune now, I travel all over the world consulting on farms and ranches. I've been on literally thousands of farms and ranches and I tell people I've never been on a single one, including my own, that's not degraded. So we can't afford to be sustainable. Why do you wanna sustain a degraded resource? We need to be regenerative. Just like we wanna regenerate our bodies, we need to regenerate the soil so that the soil can produce the healthy food that we need. And when all this tilling is occurring and going on with the soil, that's not good for the environment above either, is it? That, that's correct. Tillage is what actually you expose air to the organic material. In other words, the carbon in the soil, it's released into the atmosphere. And that's why we have this climate change. We have way too much carbon in the air, not enough in the soils. The good news is, though, we can uh, take it out of the air through grow, growing plants, photosynthesis, and put it back in the soil where it belongs. So there's some hope. There is. What is regenerating farming? So regenerative agriculture, in my mind, is using these six time-tested ecological principles working in harmony with nature instead of against her. And just briefly, those six principles are, number one, context. We have to farm and ranch in our context. I tell people, you know, there's a reason bananas don't grow in North Dakota. It's out of context. You have to farm and ranch in your environment. Second principle is armor on the soil. You, you have to keep that soil covered. We cannot have bare soil. If you have bare soil, there's nothing there to feed biology. It's prone to wind erosion, water erosion, evaporation. Third principle is least amount of mechanical and chemical disturbance possible. We don't wanna till that soil. We don't wanna apply these copious amounts of chemicals that are being used today in agriculture. Fourth principle is diversity. Where in nature do you find monocultures? The fact of the matter is you only find them where mankind's actions have caused them to appear or man has planted them. Nature is very, very diverse. Walk out into a forest, walk out into a prairie ecosystem. You see a myriad of different species. That's how nature should function. Next principle is living root in the soil as long as possible throughout the year. Nature always tries to have a living plant so it can take that carbon out of the atmosphere through photosynthesis uh, uh, converted into these compounds, which some are used for plant growth, some are pumped into the soil to feed all that biology. And the final principle is animal and insect integration. Nature does not function properly without animals and insects. We need grazing animals, we need all these pollinators, we need predator insects. It's those animals that help build a healthy ecosystem and cycle nutrients for that ecosystem. So if you apply those six principles, you're gonna be able to regenerate soils and have a much healthier ecosystem. So when I, I remember working on a farm uh, when I was a young guy 
and they sent me out every day and I have almost a different job. So one day I show up and they say, you're going to go, we had three, three fields, three strawberry fields, field uh, one, two, and three. So you're going to go to field number two and pick all day. Okay. So at field, you know, you close your eyes, you can grab them by the handful. There were so many strawberries. One day I go to work and they say, you're going to field three today. And I go out there, there's no strawberries. You, you got to look to find one. Got to look to find one. So I came back at lunch and I said, I don't know what happened to that crop, but there's, there's no berries. And they said, yeah, we didn't get the spray down in time. And that was the first time in my life where I saw what, what just didn't make sense to me. So mm-hmm. I said, well, th- this spray, this ke- you put a chemical on food. So food mm-hmm. grows, then we eat the food and the chemical. And they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, because the chemical is so strong, kills the insects. Yeah. So I was, I was very intrigued and I, I didn't understand why humans would eat that food. But yeah. it happens all the time. It, it does. It's widespread in agriculture. The sad part is for every insect species that's a pest, there's up to 1,700 species that are beneficial. So your strawberry grower there, he was focused on killing the one pest. In regenerative agriculture, we're focused on providing a home and habitat for all the predators that eat that pest. Mm -hmm. Then it's not a problem. I I haven't used an insecticide on my farm in decades. There's no reason to, because I have the predator insects that keep those pest populations in check. So that's what a predator insect is. It's going to eat the stuff that's going to eat our food. It's like a spider, you know, things like that. They they eat other, it's like in Africa, the lion's going to eat the wildebeest. Well, in in a garden, the spiders eat the pests. (laughs) I just pictured myself eating strawberries covered in spiders. (laughs) <laughs> but I understand what you're saying. So um, governments, you know, why, why don't governments support this? I mean, when I watched the documentary, I saw that they weren't really on board with what you're doing. Yeah, unfortunately, they're not. And the reason they're not is look how governments function. Okay, who influences laws? Well, it's all the lobbyists. Well, you have the chemical industry, the fertilizer industry, the equipment manufacturers, the grain growers. They, all these lobbyists have their self-interest. And mm-hmm. so they put pressure on government policymakers. Oh, no, we need status quo because status quo makes them money. But status quo is not what is best for the resource. And it's certainly not what is best for our health. So, so how is that affecting uh, the United States? And over in Canada, I think we might have a few different laws. In the U.S., what you're trying to do, are, are you constantly met with um, a wall or yeah. are you making some, some gains? Well, we're definitely making gains. Regenerative agriculture is growing by leaps and bounds. And we tell people it's going to be done despite government. Now, I just testified in front of Congress here in February as to the role regenerative ag can play in Uh, mitigating climate change. And there are some policymakers who are interested, but the lobbying effort and the current farm program is antagonistic to those changes. But people are, farmers are changing because they realize that this, for one, it's not very profitable, the current system. You know, the, the current system is based on Um, paying farmers to do certain practices, but those practices are not what needs to be done to truly regenerate soils. 
However, as I said, a growing number of farmers and ranchers say, hey, we're just going to go this alone. We are also seeing major businesses such as, and, and I can't name very many because of uh, confidentiality with clients, but it's, it's a known fact. We, we being understanding ag, are working with General Mills to, to educate wheat producers, oat producers as to these regenerative practices. So there are large companies who see it to their benefit that farmers adopt these practices. So uh, if this is going to happen over time, it's going to expand and hopefully things are, are going to get a lot better. And you say people can be more profitable if they follow this route than what the current system has? Yes, that, that's exactly right. And, and, you know, I'm proof of that on our own ranch and many, many others that are using these practices, because what we see is as you advance and improve soil health, you're able to significantly cut back on the amount of fertilizers and amendments that you need to grow a crop. So that puts more dollars in our pocket. Now, besides that, you can, if you want to, uh, uh, if you're an astute marketer, you will be able to get premium prices for your products because they are higher in nutrient density. We're seeing that here on our own ranch. Mm-hmm. We market all of our products directly to consumers and they're willing to pay more for it because it is higher in nutrient density. I can attest to that. You know, every, every year in my family, we get a, a, a grass-fed cow every year for our protein. I go down to the market and I spend a little bit extra on the eggs because the eggs are, the eggs are different. And mm, when you, in the documentary, you crack an egg, you compare two eggs, one from a one farm, one from another farm. Can you speak on that a little bit and, and just say what happened? Yeah. So we have about 1500 free range laying hens on our ranch. So we collect a lot of eggs every day. And when the film crew was out making the documentary, they asked me, is there really a difference? So I said, here, grab an egg. And, and they cracked it open. They couldn't believe it how orange the yolk was. And I said, I'll tell you what, tonight, when you go back to town, you go to a grocery store, buy any egg you want. And then tomorrow you bring that dozen eggs out and we will do a little test. And so that's how that scene evolved. And they came out and they went through all their dozen eggs and not a one of them was anything close to the eggs we had. And as a matter of fact, um, they filmed that scene actually about five years ago. Mm-hmm. And then when it right before the movie was released, about a year before, they flew a film crew out from L.A. again to film that again because they really liked that scene. And so uh, interestingly enough, we have done a lot of nutrient testing on our uh, the products that we grow, our grass-finished beef, grass-finished lamb, pastured pork, the eggs, the honey, the lamb. And what we found is that that uh, what we're able to grow and raise here is significantly higher in nutrient density. For example, you're familiar with omega-6 to 3 ratios and how important that is. Mm-hmm. Well, what we've found is that the omega-6 to 3 ratio in our grass-finished beef now rivals that of wild salmon. In fact, in many cases, it is higher in omega-3s than is wild salmon. So that is telling us that we truly are producing a heart-healthy product. 100%. And do you guys ship to Canada yet? 
Not not to Canada. I can't get a T-bone from you. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice. <laughs> if I could, I would. <laughs> uh, I know that. Uh, the nutrients are completely different. I can I can elaborate. In, in, in the fitness industry, if someone's listening here and they work out, if you work out and then you eat a certain food and you don't digest it well, and then you eat something from one of one of Gabe's farms and you digest it well, you don't get gas, yep. you don't get bloat, you don't get diarrhea. Guess what? That's better nutrient density. And the scene yep. from the movie was you cracked a, a grocery store egg, put it in a pan, and then one of your hen, hen's eggs. The difference was the color. One was orange, one was kind of like a runny yellow. The density of the yolk, it was, it was not tough, but it was, what would you use? To firm. It? Firm. It was firm. It was a firm yeah. yolk. And if you've never eaten one of those eggs, the flavor is completely different as well. Yeah. And what I'm seeing a lot more is here in Canada, people are allergic to eggs. They're allergic to this allergy to eggs. And I'm always wondering, well, is it the egg or is it the type of egg over time that you're no longer digesting? Yeah, in most cases, it is how that laying hen was fed and handled. Uh, in most cases, I don't care if we're talking eggs or if we're talking milk, you go to pasture-based proteins and your stomach is going to be able to digest that just fine. Yeah, I've done that as a personal experience, grocery store milk versus, you know, organic milk. And um, it, was, it was a night and day experiment uh, on myself. So if someone's listening right now and they are a consumer of products and they go to the grocery store and that's where they, they're currently getting. If you go to the grocery store here in Canada now and you go to the egg section, you're going to see 12, 14 different types of eggs. But what's happening is on all the cartons, they're saying they're organic, they're, they're free range. But how do we really know the difference? I mean, you can't crack yep. it there on the floor. Yeah. And the sad truth of it is you don't by looking at a carton. You have to do your homework and do your research. If, if a company or individual is producing truly free range eggs, they're going to say so on their website. They're going to have pictures. They're going to have videos. You know, here on our ranch in North Dakota, we allow anybody to drive on our ranch at any time and look at anything. Just yesterday, I had a couple from Seattle, Washington show up coming up the driveway. Uh, last week, I actually had a couple who bicycled out from New York City. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's a long way. And they were, <laughs> they were in their 70s, too. It was pretty amazing. But they, they wanted to see our ranch. And you need to get to know your farmer or rancher, feel comfortable, let them describe to you how and why they raise their animals or grow their, their vegetables the way they do. That's where you need to source from. Mm -hmm. You know, food truly is preventative medicine. We need, though, as consumers to do our due diligence and make sure what we're putting in our bodies is worthy of being put in our bodies. I agree hundred percent. A lot of times you can just, um, you can overcome, like you said, the disease just by eating, not the, not eating the right food, but eating the right way of the right food. Mm. Sometimes people eat eggs and they don't get healthy, but they're probably just eating the wrong egg. Exactly. On your website. Um, you were talking to me before we were talking about this, you have these different webinar links. Could you talk about those links if people want to continue on with their education? Sure. So people can go on understandingagag.com. And click on the resource page and then webinars. And we hold free webinars. As a matter of fact, we have one this evening with Dr. Stephanie Seneff. She's the lead scientist at MIT. She's going to be talking about glyphosate or Roundup and what that causes. That's a free webinar at seven o'clock central time. 
Uh, I just have to go sign up. And we have all of these past webinars that we've done. Uh, we've got excellent webinars by Dr. Stefan Van Vliet talking about uh, uh, the phytochemicals that are found in products that are regeneratively grown on healthy soil. We've got webinars by Sarah Keo, who's an eco-nutritionist, and she talks about how to um, eat healthy and how to source your products. So I encourage you to go on understandingag.com and, and uh, view those webinars. There's no charge to do so. That's awesome. You're making a quite the large difference in the world here. And uh, we appreciate you coming on this podcast just to explain, you know, what you do. And I know, I know as a farmer, you're just on break. <laughs> Your day's not done. You're just on break. So I'll end it with, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast here. I'm going to link all that information and I'm going to try to check out that webinar uh, myself tonight. Uh, and then my, my key takeaway is my key takeaway is people just need to do a little due diligence. Like you said, and they need to educate themselves and find a farmer in a local area. Make sure you know what you're eating. And uh, I'm going to make a trip. I'm going to make a trip out to my farmer because we do get uh, some stuff. But I've never been on the farm. So I'm going to call that, him up, see if I can make a trip. That's great. And anyone there who uh, has a garden raising your own vegetables, don't till that garden. That's the worst thing you can do for nutrients in food. <laughs> I love that advice. My, my wife has an amazing garden in the backyard. I don't know if she does or not, but I'm going to have to ask her about it. Gabe, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast today. I really appreciate you and I wish you nothing but uh, success in the future. And hopefully at some point I can come to North Dakota and I can check out your farm. That would be great. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Gabe. Yep. Thank you. Never stop learning because life never stops teaching. If you've learned at least one thing from this podcast and your mission is to help other people, please share this podcast with them. And a reminder... We will be releasing one episode every Monday for the entire year. So make sure to hit subscribe so you get the updated information as soon as possible. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And thank you so much for allowing me to be part of it.